Hi, this is Jerry Reynolds for Sacramento Electronic Supply, who has been servicing the Sacramento area's industrial electronic needs for over 75 years. Family owned and operated, Sacramento Electronics is a registered California small business that prides themselves on their customer service. Their showroom and warehouse are open to the public to browse. Whether you're looking for wire and cable, tools and testers, connectors or relays, Sacramento Electronics is open for you Monday through Friday, 8.30 a.m. to 4 p.m., directly south of Costco in Rancho Cordova. Or, hey, visit them online 24-7 at www.sacelec.com and do it. Oh, another rebound in a crowd by the Brock Ness Monster. Ooh, that would be Pedro. Ooh. Jim Bob Foley. Holy moly. How about the Tasmanian Slovenian with the stop, drop, and pop? Tiffany Hop with the King's Herald Barbershop. You're listening to the King's Herald Show, a bi-weekly NBA podcast that covers all the ups and downs, ins and outs of your one and only Sacramento Kings. As always, I'm your host, Will Griffith, and with me today, writer for the King's Herald, my co-host, Tony Zipteris. Tony, happy Monday. How's it going? Happy Monday, Will. It's going pretty good. The Kings beat the Lakers by 30 in preseason game one. They beat the Blazers by 32 in preseason game two. So uh, this might be as high as we get during, <laughs> during this season, but I'm going to soak in it while I can. So I'm expecting an optimistic show today. He's a, he's a former Sacramento Kings head coach, GM, and color analyst, general manager of a WNBA champion, Indiana Basketball Hall of Famer. He's the true pride of French League himself, Jerry Reynolds. Jerry, as always, it's an absolute pleasure to have you today. How's it going? Very good. And I'm like Tony, you know, hey, uh, optimism, sky high. Yeah. As, as Tony said, hey, we're two games into the preseason with two left to play. The Kings are undefeated and in pretty impressive fashion, beating uh, the Lakers squad by uh, by 30 and following that game up with a uh, with a preview of opening night in Sacramento, beating the Trailblazers by 32. There's a lot here to like, guys. Um, let's get your first thoughts just on the team in general uh, during these first two preseason games. What do you guys have for us? Well, I mean, for, for me, uh, there's a couple things that jumped out. And one thing, you know, that uh, very impressed with the coach. I think, uh, you know, he's... He's definitely had an impact already, and at least in my opinion. I mean, uh, I'd hope to see a more concentrated effort and consistent effort on defense. I think we saw that. Uh, definitely, you know, to, he's kind of went out of his way to kind of set the tone on a few few things already, it seems. So that's great. Uh, hope to, uh, I was hoping to see a significant uh, improvement in deep shooting. Pretty hard to say that you haven't seen yeah. that uh, you want what you wanted to see was uh, our Fox and Sabonis gonna you know be good together again like we saw last year and that certainly seems on the right track uh, then maybe you know how are the new guys are the new guys that brought in are they look like are they fitting in are they what we hoped they would be and thought they would be and it certainly seems so and maybe the most important part the rookie uh, how good's the rookie? Well, the rookie is really good. Yeah, you're absolutely so far, right, Jerry. He, he's really good. <laughs> Tony, what what about you? What have you seen from uh, from these first two preseason games that stand out to you? 
Well, I think what we talked about last week when we sort of previewed uh, the preseason was that, you know, if this is going to be a good defensive team that is going to show the dedication that they're kind of talking about in training camp, we should see it in the preseason. And I think we have. We've seen the effort there really from everyone that that uh, Mike Brown has put out there. And for one, I guess, anecdote into, into the emphasis they're putting on defense, uh, Terrence Davis spoke after the game uh, against the Blazers, and I thought it was great. He said that Mike Brown benched him because he made a couple of defensive mistakes. He took him out of the game. He told them what the mistakes were, and then he put him back in the game later, and he had a very, very good night on offense. So that is the kind of accountability, I think. I, I mean, I have it drilled in my mind because Jerry said it on the show a few times where the, the best way to get these players to play defense is to have that accountability. If you don't defend, you don't play. And Mike Brown put that into practice during the preseason in, in game two with Terrence Davis. And, you know, the, the second part of that that makes it even better is that the player was receptive to that sort of treatment. Terrence Davis was like, yeah, you know, I messed up on defense. Coach took me out. He told me what I did wrong. He put me back in. So um, I, I don't know how you can, can walk away from those first two preseason games with anything but some optimism. Yeah, that was one of those things that uh, uh, it certainly detailed in uh, uh, last night's game against Portland, where I think it was uh, beginning of the second quarter, middle of the second quarter, they come out from a timeout or, a, or, a, or they start up a game from a TV timeout or something like that. Some player misses an assignment and suddenly there's another timeout. Mike Brown did not waste a single second of time trying to get his team back on track on the defensive end. Jerry, I'm curious, uh, you're a coach. When you see that kind of stuff, is this uh, – is this one of those things that you go, yeah, that's what you need to be doing? Or is, is this, is, you know, why isn't it, I guess, I guess what I could term it as like, this seems something pretty obvious to me uh, that, you know, somebody like a coach Walton last year didn't do. Uh, why, why is Mike Brown pulling this off and it working where somebody like a, like a Luke Walton wasn't successful with it last year? Well, that's a, I, I really almost, I couldn't hardly answer that. I, I do think in fairness to Mike, uh, He's really come in with the idea that he knows this, this culture defensively needs to change. And, uh, you know, as, as we talked about in previous uh, podcast, where he'd brought in several guys of his choosing to this roster who weren't necessarily going to make the team per se or play a lot, but had defensive backgrounds sure. and tough minded backgrounds. So in other words, so I think it's just an extension of that. I, I think with coach Brown, certainly aware of the team's weaknesses, which everybody in America that had two eyeballs that watched the NBA were aware of, uh, knew coming in that he really needed to, to grab this by the horns, you know, the old bull by the horns. And that's what he's done. And, and uh, you know, here, here's the simplified thing I would say on this. This is what you call coaching, Will. Sure. <laughs> this only me. I, I'm the one who calls it coaching, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great. Uh, to stick with that, uh, Jerry and Tony, I was curious about your opinions. One of the other things that kind of stood out, and Tony, I know you've you've talked this uh, talked about this a little bit on Twitter. What are your guys' thoughts on the decision from the coaching staff to uh, start Casey Okpala these first two games? Do you feel like this is more of a maybe a preseason gimmick to make a, a rookie like Keegan Murray earn it, make sure that he knows that this is the tempo that he's got to set on the defensive end? Or do you think Okpala's uh, defensive prowess warrants consideration for the starting power forward spot going into the regular season? This is a tough one for me, uh, you know, because in theory, like there's a version of this that's totally fine where Mike Brown's doing this in preseason and maybe he even does it in the regular season and it works out okay for a stretch. I just think uh, 
over a, over a long period of time, you might be better off with your best players on the court as much as possible, maybe even together if possible. So I'm very much pro Keegan Murray starting and it, he makes an easy case for himself. It'd be one thing if he was struggling um, and I understand the earn it argument, but I don't know how you can earn it beyond what Keegan Murray has done so far dating back to summer league. He's been pretty much the same guy in every situation that the Kings have put him in. And that is a very good basketball player. So I think, Okapala, while good on defense, is is so limited offensively that I, I don't know that this can be a long-term play. And to Mike Brown's credit, I guess, I don't think it's going to be a, a long-term play for him either. If Okapala is starting all year, I'd be pretty surprised. If he wants to do that now to get the Kings on this defensive uh, tone, and, and you know, we saw him guard Dame Lillard from the jump last night, which was kind of interesting. You know, when was the last time we saw the Kings start their four against their point guard? It was it wasn't like a, a crazy move, but it was interesting in a way that I thought the Kings haven't really been interesting defensively before just doing something like that, putting, putting some length on someone like Dame Lillard. So uh, I, I don't hate it for the time that they're doing it. If they're still doing this in, I don't know, like February, I'll probably be a little bit more upset because um, I do think Keegan Murray uh, has earned and kind of deserves the right to start at some point here. Yeah. You know, I don't really have a problem with it. I, I at all, to be honest with you for this, at least right now, I, I think Coach Brown is trying to kind of set the tone for the team. Uh, certainly, uh, uh, you know, he's a good defender. He's proven that, you know, and and it, it, there is some precedence. I mean, you know, go back to the Bruce Bowen for San Antonio or Royce O'Neal for Utah guys who PJ Tucker sure. guys who just basically are out there for be ball movers and defenders and hit an open shot now and then that sort of thing. Uh, and you can afford that if you've got major stars and plenty of scoring now, not, I'm just not quite sure that the Kings do. Uh, so, so, you know, just, I guess my main criteria would be, I I'm, I'm the old fashioned where I'd like to see him get your best players on the floor as much as possible, as soon as possible. But I think that, whether you start him or not, the best players are going to play by far the most, which they did. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think he just sets a little bit of a tempo. So uh, I'll trust the coach's uh, judgment on this. I, I, uh, I like the guy's uh, defensive ability. Yeah. Uh, I do. I think the, he does uh, create some, some, some problems. Uh, so I think it's kind of a neat, maybe a little neat thing. So I'm, I'm on board with coach Brown on this, how long he wants to do it. Now, having said that, I will say one other thing though. Uh, they talk about, you know, as we've just talked about uh, having Keegan Murray earn it. Well, he, I mean, if that's your criteria, well, he's earned it far more than, yeah, sure. Oh, <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, how's the other guy earned it? Yeah. You know, he was, if there's ever a guy given a spot, that was, that's exactly what that was. That's a great point. So, yeah. Like that point. yeah, it was one of those things that uh, for every time that he bothered Anthony Davis or LeBron James or Dame Lillard, you know, uh, Keegan Murray was out there shooting seven of 10 from three his first two games from three. It was just like, <laughs> they're, they're, they're like every time you tried to justify it a little bit in my mind, I was like, shit, the Keegan Murray's out here doing, doing just as well on the offensive end as, as Paul's doing on the defensive end. But you do, but you do have to like the idea. I think that, this looks like a defensive specialist yeah. that coach Brown has a lot of faith in. So you could see where, regardless of where you could plug him in certain times, certain situations. I mean, as a coach, I think more you'd like to have a guy like that, preferably on your bench that, you know, you could, yeah. you know, put in there to say, we got, we got to get some stops here. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Jerry. 
uh, one of the things that uh, that kind of stood out these last couple or these first two games uh, were the three point attempts. Uh, the Kings took uh, 39 and 45 respectively in these first two games when they only averaged uh, 33 a game last year. Is this a uh, is this a little bit of preseasonitis where they're they're hucking and chucking a little bit, even though they are going down at a fairly consistent rate? Or is this something that you guys expect to continue going into the regular season that the Kings have? They put an emphasis on shooting and now they got those shooters and those shooters are shooting the ball as much as they can. Well, I, I think so. I mean, I think it's, uh, I think coach Brown, he's got shooters and he's letting them shoot yeah. and, and he's got a big that will gladly get the ball to shooters yeah. and has the ability to do that. And the spacing and the movement, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not saying they're going to hit 21, you know, shoot the kind of percentage they're doing, but, but, you know, you know, this team has some good shooters. I mean, we, you know, obviously uh, the three guys they picked up are all quality shooters, you know, proven at some level or another, whether NBA like Monk and Herter or certainly in the college game and summer league, like, like uh, Keegan, but then Terrence Davis as well. Uh, you know, he's, he's been a, productive three-point shooter and and now all of a sudden you know my god if some if fox is as well <laughs> and so but we'll we'll see on that but but i like the i mean i like what they're doing because you know here again you're you're utilizing your talents which you do have some really good deep shooters you got the floor spaced you got a big that can find cutters can find open shooters uh, geez, a lot to like. Tony, what about you? What do you think about all these shooters that are suddenly going off in these first two preseason games? I would just say that I, I haven't seen too many bad shots. And I guess that's the thing I care about, about the amount of threes they're going to take. Take as many threes as you want if they're open. And, you know, I watched both games. I watched more than both games if you count all the highlights on Twitter. Um, and I didn't see a whole lot of bad threes. So if they're open, shoot it. Um, yeah, they, I mean, even Trey Lyles, the other night was he, his open, his threes were open. You know, he, even the, even the more questionable three point shooters on this roster, I think at least through two games and the sample size is small. Uh, the shots they took, I liked, I liked them all. Now I, I want to get in specifically to some of the players and what we've seen from them in these first two preseason games. Um, what have you guys seen specifically from, uh, from the two stars of the team Fox and Sabonis in these first two games that have really given you a little bit of hope going forward? Well, they really do seem uh, to me, uh, not only comfortable together, but they, they certainly seem like they're willing to, uh, you know, play with the group. <laughs> you know, it hasn't been, uh, haven't signed any signs of any selfishness or, or really forced shots to speak of. Uh, uh, you know, I think with De'Aaron, he certainly, you're seeing a better effort on uh, defense. Uh, you know, I, I think he, he has come, I mean, really, it, to me, at least in preseason, it, it's different than we've seen in the past sometimes. Is I think he gets it. I think that De'Aaron knows this is a big year for De'Aaron. And, uh, but, but Sabonis is Sabonis. I mean, to me, he's a, the last guy you worry about. I mean, really. Uh, he's, he's the – I mean, I know that Fox will be the leading scorer and the, called the star and, you know, in the media in the East will say it's his team, that kind of crap. But the most valuable player on this team is Demonis Sabonis. And anybody that isn't paying attention uh, better. Yeah, I think both guys have obviously been good. And, and like Jerry, I really don't even worry about Sabonis. For me, it's more about, you know, Fox and the start that he needs to have. We've talked about it a lot on this show. One thing I, I kind of liked about what Fox has done, um, he has sort of developed a reputation. And I think he's 
earned this that uh, maybe he doesn't have a whole lot to do off the ball and he's struggled playing with other ball handlers, whether that's um, uh, Tyrese Halliburton or, uh, you know, any other ball handlers. Darren Fox has kind of been the alpha with the ball. But I thought he's been very good deferring to Herder at times. You've seen Herder take the ball up the court. You've seen Herder make a lot of plays off the bounce, a lot of plays with the ball in his hands. So you're still not getting a ton of offense from Fox off the ball. But I do like that even the, like, Fox and Sabonis, you'd figure they'd be good together. But also having another ball handler in there like Kevin Herter, I think Herter has been awesome in these two games. And Fox has really had no problem deferring to him on certain possessions. So um, for anyone kind of looking to see if Fox can play with any other ball handler in the backcourt, I think the the mix he's found with Herter so far has been pretty solid. Now we've got two games that uh, won't be uh, won't be broadcast on television like every single year, but uh, they will be online. I'm curious what you guys have to think about the next two games here. And what do specifically Fox and Sabonis have to do in your next, if you could watch these next two games, Jerry, from the coaching perspective or Tony from the fans perspective, what are you guys looking for in these next two games from, from Fox and Sabonis to really get you moving towards regular season? Is there anything you need, they need to be tightening up on or, or things that you haven't seen yet that you're really looking forward to? I guess for me, it's just more of the same, you know, I, 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 I think they're on the right track and the, and you, you know, I don't know what more you're going to see in preseason. That's going to convince you of anything until you get to actual win accounts, but, but uh, they're in great shape. You can see that uh, seem to be doing, going to their strengths. And, and I guess, uh, you know, as much as anything playing unselfishly. I mean, I, I, I'm really impressed with that. And I think coach Brown has a lot to do with it. And as Tony mentioned, I think, Having a guy like Herder and Davion, guys that are Harrison, that are a couple position players that are good with the ball as well, uh, probably helps that. But I, I just like the unselfishness I've seen so far. Want to, you know, uh, want to see more of it because that's what this team needs. Yeah, I don't need them to show me anything more than they've showed already. But I, I will say one thing I guess I'm kind of watching is Fox's three-point shot because it looked really good against Portland, and that is not something I've been counting on. Um, I have I have accepted that Fox is never going to be a great three-point shooter, and I've also accepted that he doesn't really have to be to still be a very, very good uh, lead offensive player for this team. Um, but the shot looked nice against Portland, so I'll be watching those next few preseason games to see if that sort of continues. Yeah, Fox finished three for three last night against Portland and threes, uh, and including one of those ones that was in rhythm. He kind of just yeah. kind of – he just came off a curl and, and caught it and shot it. And that's one of those things that, like, I, I looked over at my at my partner and I kind of went, if Fox is hitting those consistently, we're going from my 38 win prediction to, like, 42, 43. <laughs> like, if Fox, is, if Fox is shooting 36, 37, 38% from three and he's hitting those, like, I might be very wrong about about the ceiling of this team. Okay, so let's uh let's talk to, about some of the vets here that we haven't really touched on yet. Um, Harrison Barnes, Kevin Herter, Davion Mitchell. Anything that you guys saw from uh, from them in preseason that you really liked? You know, nothing surprised me. I, I certainly think with Davion, uh, you know, he's he's a he's a little ball buster. I mean, you know, I mean, it's nothing you didn't know. I think he's coming into the second year more confident that he's a ball buster and, and, uh, and the Kings really need that. I think he's got, you can see a little more confidence in his offensive game, you know, whether that's going to produce great results. I I don't know yet. I, I, you will have to see, but I think the confidence is there. Certainly he's, 
he, you can tell he's worked on his game and, you know, Harrison's Harrison. You know, I, I think Harrison Barnes is pro's pro. Uh, is he going to be better than he was last year? I doubt it. Uh, I think he, but I think he'll be just as good. And, and that's probably enough. Yeah. All of those players have kind of brought what I expected so far. The only, the only kind of note I made about Harrison Barnes is he looked a little bit out of place or, or, uh, Looked like he maybe had a, a small time adjusting to his role in the Lakers game. And then he followed up in the, in the Blazers game and he looked much better. So maybe that was just a, a, a weird off night for him. I do think he's going to have to, uh, I guess, relearn how to play as maybe the fourth or fifth offensive player on a, on a mm-hmm. given, you know, uh, lineup because he had been playing on a Kings team where they needed him to be the third option at worst. And sometimes even higher than that. So now he's coming into a team with Sabonis and Fox full time. If Keegan Murray's in that starting lineup, he might be below Murray in the hierarchy and Herder's obviously getting the ball a lot. So Barnes just finding out his, what his spots are and how to still be effective was a little bit of a concern for me coming out of the Lakers game. But again, he followed it up in Portland and looked really good. So, uh, so all good here from him too. Jerry, I'm curious. Do you feel like in a, in a starting lineup that features both Harrison Barnes and, and Keegan Murray, that, that a guy like Keegan Murray won't be passive or that Harrison Barnes won't be passive? Like where do you see them in terms of, Who's getting more of those shots? Who should be getting more of those shots? That's, well, that's a great question. I, I just don't think it's possible to answer that. I think we'll have to see that play out a little bit. I think both guys are, to their credit or discredit, depending on how you look at it, are willing to take a back seat. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, you know, my sense is that both guys will, will basically look for open shots and good shots and not be – you know, hunting shots, so to speak. And I think that's probably good. Uh, certainly in both cases, I, I, I think with Harrison, you, you'll need him to, to, to probably be a more of a driver at times, uh, take, use his post-up game and all that. But, but I guess my, my feeling is, you know, maybe 20 games in the season, we'll, we'll sort of get a, get a clue, uh, but, but I'll be, I just think that probably Keegan in particular, and Harrison's a lot like him. He's just an older version. Uh, th- those guys will will want to fit into a fault. Sure. And and I mean, I think with with Keegan Murray's capable of doing a lot right now, and I think he'll probably feel like he's got to blend in maybe too much early. Sure. Well, we we can move right on to Keegan Murray right now. How do you feel like the rookies played so far in preseason? And, and, and what are you looking for then later on in these next two games and what he can do to really impress you? I know we, we, we can't be riding any higher right now than we are in the Kings. So there's going to be a lot of like, keep doing what you're doing, keep blowing teams out by 30 and we're not going to have any problems at all for the rest of the season. But uh, I guess, uh, especially from you, Jerry, where you were a coach and a GM, if you, if you're coaching Keegan, if you're, if you're the GM who just drafted Keegan, what are you looking for out of Keegan in the next couple of games to be like, yeah, we're, we're on a roll. We're ready to go. I would like to see him, uh, you know, really uh, chase rebounds. I mean, uh, I'd like to see him and tell him, you know, I'd like to see you get some really contested rebounds. You know, not balls that come to you, uh, but uh, because that's going to be a real key, you know, not that he's done anything wrong, but but I think that's going to be a challenge for him is to, you know, in there when it, uh, in the nitty gritty and when the the big, Harry chested men come onto the court. Uh, he, he's going to get tested a little bit. And so, so, so just be more aggressive and uh, go in there and knock some guys around. If you get some fouls, okay. 
but uh, I, I, you know, I, th I think I'd like to see that a little more toughness and aggressiveness. It's not his style. He's not a, you know, but it, it is a case you, you got to hold your ground and maybe take somebody else's. Tony, what about you? What are you looking for for Keegan in the next couple of games here? Well, after the, uh, the performance against the Blazers, I had to go look and see who had the, who had the record for most threes by a rookie in an NBA season. That is Donovan Mitchell with uh, 187 three-pointers made in 2017-18. That's like 2.3 three-pointers made a game. So, I, I mean, I couldn't be higher on Keegan Murray. And that's kind of the, I guess, my argument for the for him starting over Okpala is I think, and obviously I'm, I'm writing how he's been the leading scorer in both of their preseason games. And this is after being their best player by far in summer league after a great college year. So I don't know how more often Keegan Murray has to be great before we consider that he might actually be great. I mean, like a very, very good all-star level player. And that's kind of my argument for starting him. And what I've seen so far in the preseason is this guy has been so good. He's been so good that at some point you kind of throw your hands up and say, well, yeah, you know, you got to start him. He's just been that good. And I think Keegan Murray is approaching that level where it, I, don't, I see all the arguments for starting Okpala, but Keegan Murray might just be that good where you have to start him. And I don't know if he's going to continue his play throughout the preseason like he has so far, but man, no matter what scenario they put him in, you know, that, that could throw some other rookies. You're drafted top four. You don't start over a guy who they signed for the league minimum at the end of the summer. And then you have a great game in your first game and you still don't start him in the next game. And he still comes out and leads the team in scoring. Um, he just passes every test at the, with the highest grade you can get. And I know I'm just gushing over Keegan Murray now, but he, I mean, I don't know. I, I have not been this impressed, excited, happy about a young player on the Kings team since DeMarcus Cousins. And even, even Keegan Murray, I think is outplaying what we saw from Cousins and Cousins was very good. So um I really have nothing negative or criticism for criticism for Keegan Murray at this stage. He's been so great. I can't wait to watch the Kings in their next game because I want to watch Keegan Murray play basketball again. So, so uh, my advice is like you said, Will, it's definitely just keep doing what you're doing. Cause it's, it's been very fun to watch. It does seem like, you know, if he, if he d continues to play at the level he is the next two preseason games, I, I don't hardly see how Mike can, Brown can continue not to start him uh, because it's also true as like, you know, the, the more he plays with Sabonis and Fox and, you know, it's like, well, that's kind of where you need to get. And, uh, you know, and I think, too, from just from my view, is that that as good as he is, this will take I mean, I'd like to see you know, I've said before, it's not about Fox scoring more points. It's probably him scoring less and being more efficient. And I think that makes the Kings better. And, and the reason he could do that is because of just the guy you're we're talking about is Murray that, uh, okay, you know, you can get your 22 points on seven, 16, 17 shots and let this other guy get, you know, 20 on about 12 shots. <laughs> Jerry, I'm curious only because you had such a long history in this league. Keegan's one of those guys that Tony talked about this, and this is what brought it up: is that like his composure, his he's. It, it would not surprise me if he's fine with with coming off the bench. I know that somebody asked him about it last night, and he was just like, "Hey, I'm just excited to play in the NBA," you know, that he's just ready to go to work in whatever role that he needs to go to work in. And I'm curious, Jerry, how many how many rookies that have you been around that would be as talented as he is and be okay with coming off the bench or or with the composure that he's got as a rookie. Keegan seems to be like a special kid. And I'm curious your perspective on that. 
Yeah, I can think of uh, three uh, offhand. I mean, and I haven't thought about a lot, but, you know, Pedro Stoyakovich was fine that way, mm. uh, you know, and uh, Ricky, the, the late Ricky Berry uh, was fine that way. And uh, Hito Turkaloo. And, you know, and, and I think, you know, and it's easy to put him in that category. Uh, and those three guys were all terrific. I mean, Ricky Berry would have been a major star. I have no doubt. And of course, Pedro was, and Hito was near, you know, in his own way he was like, say, he wasn't a, uh, most people would say he's not as good as Pedro, but in some ways he might've been more efficient, but, uh, but they were all terrific players. And, and I think Keegan, Right now, I, I, I feel very comfortable in putting him in that category. And, and, and uh, you know, attitude-wise, little. I mean, no, those guys all had great attitudes and were willing. It's all about winning. And, you know, they wanted to play and wanted to play minutes, but they understood if it wasn't right away, I'll wait my turn, you know, when that sort of thing. And and so, so I, I think the bottom line is you're, the Kings have got a – they really got a good one. It's not to say that others wouldn't have been good too. I don't mean, but there's no doubt that uh, I, I think Kings fans are have got a reason to be optimistic about this guy. You know that he could be, you know, the Kings, uh, you know, several time All Star before it's all over with. Yeah, Keegan's one of those guys that just uh, in other years uh, it was always a concept for me where you'd be watching the Kings rookie and you'd go, okay, he's he's doing what he's doing. Sometimes he's having good games. Sometimes he's having bad. But then you'd be like looking over to like who the Kings could have picked or who you expected them to pick. Yeah. And Keegan's one of those guys that like I, I expected the, the Kings to to pick Jaden Ivey. I felt like he was the better pick in the moment. And I have never once gone over to like the Detroit Pistons pages to look up like, oh, what, what did he score tonight? Or how, how is he doing? Like the, the Bagley Doncic draft was one of those things that like every single night <laughs> uh, it was constantly coming across my screen and I was constantly tearing my hair out about it. And it's one of those things that I – you know, Jaden Ivey might end up being the better player overall three or four years down the road, but I have come around to the belief that like, but he might not be the right player for the Kings and that Keegan Murray might have been the better fit. And the, not that he can't all also be the better player now, but that he might've been the perfect pick for this Kings team at this point in time. And, and that's shocking to me because coming up on draft day, it was like, Oh, it's going to be one of those things. I, you know, I'm nervous about it. I'm going to be tearing up my hair all season long. And I haven't thought about Jaden Ivey one time since, since the draft. No, and you shouldn't. And I think that's the key. Uh, the Kings got a, with, with the pick, they got a terrific young player that's going to have a long, successful career barring injuries. And, you know, Jaden Ivey probably will too. Uh, and there'll probably be a couple of guys later in the draft that probably will too. But, but it's like you say, it's like, boy, when you get a really good one, just enjoy it. Don't, don't worry about who I always say. I mean, you go back to, I always go back to the page of Stoyakovich. It was terrific and an all-star and, and Steve Nash went behind him. Well, S Steve was better, but you, you know, you'd be yeah. crazy to, to second guess that pick. Yeah. I mean, some, you know, we, everybody does, but at some point you, if you really got a good one, then just be happy. And the King got a good one. We've got a, we've got two preseason games and three regular season games between now and the next time we talk. And so I'm curious, we've talked about the players and what they might need to do in the next few games. Um, what are you guys looking for in the coaching staff? What you might want to see coming into the regular season and then these first three regular season games, 
what are you guys really looking for out of the coaching staff and what they might do different or what they might need to do or continue to do um, uh, throughout the rest of preseason and the start here? Well, I mean, for me, uh, I hope he can get set on his kind of his rotations. And, and that's uh, easy to say, but hard to do because there's a lot of ways that Coach Brown can go, but you can't play 15 guys. Sure. And uh, so, so I'll be interesting to see just exactly – you know, okay, what is Rashawn Holmes' role? Or how are you going to use Terrence Davis? Or, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things to consider here. Davion Mitchell, just what level of role is he going to have? So, so, so that's, you want to see in those first few games, uh, you'd like to see, you know, Coach Brown, is he pretty comfortable with, with who he's trotting out there and how? And, and the results, uh, I think that would be, that'd be probably as important as anything. I think, uh, uh, gosh, I had another, I thought it was a brilliant idea and now I've lost it. I don't know. I went to, <laughs> but, but have Tony, maybe he'll come back to me. I don't know. Well, yeah. For me and the coaching staff, I just want them to, to continue not letting up. And I, I don't expect them to um, start letting things kind of go. But to me, Mike Brown so far has been really on top of everything. We mentioned it already calling early timeouts, even though it's the preseason benching guys for bad defensive plays, even though it's the preseason, I just want to see him continuing to treat every possession as important as he has so far. And if he's, you know, if he's going this, um, I don't even know what the right word for it is. If he's having this attention to detail to possession by possession, preseason basketball, I'm excited to see what that looks like in the regular season. And I think this is a roster and an organization that really can't, uh, they can't afford to to take the the foot off the gas in, in this respect with with this level of like you really are coaching these players for the first time it seems like a lot of them like what it means to be on a competitive basketball team with real playoff goals Mike Brown is treating the, treating it that way and I I, ex- I both hope and also expect him to continue doing that for the rest of the preseason and into the regular season when we uh, record next time. Yeah, I just was thinking uh, the other thing, and, and, you know, don't know if it's going to happen, but it's certainly into the regular season. Uh, there's going to be a close game. Yeah. And and I want to see how they play down the stretch of close games. You know, we, we have seen how the team has played down the stretch in close games the last several years, and it's not been very good, fellas. It just hasn't. <laughs> And so, so I, and that's really going to determine maybe more than all the other jibber jabber we've been talking about is like, how do you play in crunch time? The teams that win consistently play well there. And so I'm hoping and praying that, that, you know, that Mike, you know, this team gets smarter and tougher and, and productive down the stretch of games and seems to have a, a little bit of a sense of, Hey, this is how you close out games to win and which we just haven't seen for several years jerry to your point a little bit here uh not necessarily closing out games but i know it's kind of been the curse of the kings for the last 16 years is that they always come out of the the halftime into the third quarter and tend to always just kind of just kind of crap the bed in the third quarter it's somebody with like mike brown i haven't been able to see it much because it is preseason because first half to second half whole different groups of players are playing on each side and you can really you can't really count it towards anything anyways but I'm really looking forward to see how Mike Brown does with his attention to detail with his whole coaching staff's attention to detail coming out into the second half of the game because 
that's where the Kings lost in my mind as a fan every single game last season was you could you could tell it was over by halfway through the third quarter. Team would come out, they'd be flat, or they wouldn't change a thing. They'd go on a run somewhere. Where Mike Brown and 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 the way he seemed to have coached so far this season, uh, it's one of those things. I'm like, okay, I want to see if three games into the season, if if the last game of preseason, like they come out and they just step on the necks of whoever they're playing, if they can take a, a five point lead and turn it into a, a twelve point lead, or if they can take a seven point deficit and turn it into a two or three point lead going into the fourth quarter, and it feels like, and just to Tony's point, like this is a coaching staff that I feel like can do that. Like their attention to detail, their expectation to be a playoff team is such that like the Kings haven't had to do that before. No one on this team outside of Sabonis has really had to be in a situation where it's like, oh, they expect us to play well in the second half. Because half the time game's over by that point. So that's something I'm really looking forward to with this coaching staff. And I do. That's a great point. I I mean, I will say one thing. That's kind of one of those things that there's no team that's going to always play better after the start in the early in the third quarter. I mean, there's not, I don't care. Super teams would have bad, but having said that the Kings were consistently poor coming out to the last couple of several years in the third quarter. And, and really that's generally speaking uh, where whatever adjustments, there should be adjustments made or needed to be made at the half, maybe a little motivation taken care of a, uh, those kind of things, which would certainly, you know, should should uh, preclude having so many consistently bad quarters. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, like I say, I mean, you can do everything right, you can, and still have a bad quarter, but it should be occasionally, not consistently. <laughs> okay, so we, uh, like I stated before, we're not going to be here for two weeks, so obviously we're going to have some games between now and then. So I want to get, before we get into the regular season here, some official predictions on things, guys. We've got some awards to hand out. We've got some – I might not carve it in stone what, what record you think the Kings will have unless you really want to offer it up. But I want to get to our yearly let's predict who the hell's winning what. And so um, so we've got, we've got some decent candidates uh, all the way across the board. The league has never been as talented as they are now. So, so let's go into it then. So I'm going to give you guys the MVP – and you guys get to tell me who you think's winning the MVP this year. I guess I get to go first. You then, do, huh? you do, Jerry. Okay. I'm forcing you to do it first. I'm going to pick Giannis Adetokounmpo. Okay, be most valuable player. The reason I'm I'm doing that, and just in case there's any question, the reason I'm picking him is because he is the most valuable player. <laughs> fair, yeah, it's it's certainly fair, Tony. He took yours. I know it already. So go ahead and give me your second choice. Yeah, I think when Jerry takes my answer, I'll just give you a, a fun backup plan. Giannis <laughs> is definitely going to be my pick. He will probably be my MVP pick for the next like decade. But I'll throw uh, I'll throw John Morant out there. He's like the NBA's darling right now. The NBA is really pushing him as a league. Like there's a lot of a, a lot of league wide support to make John ja Morant, ja Morant like the next guy. Um, the West is kind of wide open, so I'll give him a I'll give him a give him a, a long shot, but a shot. Okay, I got one more for you guys, only because this is a this is the narrative push. I feel like, like as in John Morant is supposed to be the next Allen Iverson or whatever. Yeah. I think Joel Embiid has has complained his way into into the conversation where he's been second. Yeah. You know, he's been second fiddle two years in a row. He's got James Harden on that team. He's got he's got a team that is now championship worthy. I feel like I feel like with enough pressure from if James Harden goes, oh yeah, Joel Embiid's the MVP. There might be enough voters that go, oh, all right, we'll give it to him. Shut him up one time. 
And I feel like I feel like Joel Embiid's going to be right there at the end, neck and neck for uh, for MVP. Yeah, I think those guys are all legit. I mean, maybe not John Morant, but I mean, certainly uh, Embiid and maybe I think Luca might uh, yeah. might actually have a little run at it uh, possibly this year. And uh, you know, uh, Steph Curry yeah. has to be considered. And and I wouldn't. And I, I don't think you could eliminate a guy like Jason Tatum. I mean, I think that. Uh, you know, there's so there's guys knocking on the door. I mean, obviously, I just took the most obvious. Uh, Jokic, he's always a threat. He's always a threat. But but I mean, I really do. I I just think Giannis Antetokounmpo, in my mind, is is got a chance to be one of the top ten players to ever play in history. And he just keeps getting better. And and on both ends, I mean, it's just like holy cow. So is there is there any chance in either of your minds that Jokic wins three in a row? I think that he, I mean, they're going to have to win 55 games or more. I mean, not that they couldn't, yeah. but I mean, I, I, I think one of the things that, <clears throat> excuse me, helped him last year was him not having Porter and Murray. Sure. And so kind of give him a little bit and deservedly. So, I mean, he had a marvelous year, but, uh, but I certainly see two or three other guys. I, I could see maybe ahead of him at this stage. Yeah. They're the one seed. Maybe outside of that, I think that have a voters would have a tough time giving it to him again. All right. So next one up here is our defensive player of the year. Who you guys got for defensive player of the year? Hmm. Well, I steal Giannis one. before Jerry says it. <laughs> go ahead, Tony. You get, yeah, you go, get go Giannis ahead. for this. I'll, ta- I'll take Giannis <laughs> there. Give me Giannis. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Well, I mean, there's so many, I mean, there's so many, good perimeter defenders, you know, that, you know, the Mikhail Bridges, uh, really underrated player, I think. And in that regard, uh, obviously Rudy Gobert will have a, have a chance again, uh, certainly with Minnesota probably gives him a, a little better chance at it. Uh, Davion, how about Davion Mitchell, <laughs> defensive player of the year? Uh, Jerry, if Davion Mitchell wins defensive player of the year, uh, we'll we'll throw a celebration in your honor for predicting this okay. one. Okay. <laughs> I would like to change my vote to KZ Okpala. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Who Mike Brown once mentioned could right. be a defensive player of the year candidate. So yeah. there's there's a history there. Uh, any chance of uh, somebody like a Bam Adebayo or even Marcus Smart returning and getting it two years in a row? Sure. Yeah, I think there's a chance those guys, uh, they're both really good defenders. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think, you know, that's kind of, you know, where, where, where that is. Uh, I mean, I, I'd say if a guy, you know, Anthony Davis stays healthy, he might be a contender, sure. to be honest. Uh, my my if he stays healthy guy is uh, Kawhi Leonard. I, I just, we haven't seen him in a while. He could be one of those guys that just, if he stays healthy for a whole season, he could come back and get it too. Yeah, he sure could. I mean, he really, it, you know, that's a big if at this point because you just yeah. just haven't seen enough. But at his best a couple of years ago, he and he certainly as good as I don't know how many guys are better than him. Yeah, I just I just saw one picture of his thighs from this offseason, Jerry. He's been working out and he's got he's got tree trunks for legs even more than he ever did. This man is thick as hell and i went oh, nobody's getting by those he's I, a tank right now I, I really don't look at men's legs that much will but, uh, <laughs> you know, it came across it came across my twitter it was 
Well, you see thighs like that, Jerry. Oh, Your eyes go to them. Okay, all right. <laughs> yeah, don't knock it till you've seen the picture. There. Yeah. Okay. All right, bro. Thank, thank you, Tony. I appreciate. Yeah. Thank you, Tony. Yeah, I'll just uh, okay. I'll just back off here then. Checks in the mail for Tony. <laughs> okay, uh, most improved player award. You, you guys can get creative here, and however you determine most improved player. Mm. Yeah, that's that's the toughest one because you know. Who, who got last year? John Morant, I think, which was ridiculous because they, he was terrific, you know? And, yeah. and I mean, actually, I think that I'll give you a guy that's almost has a great chance at it if they, how they look at it is Zion Williams. Sure. You know? Yeah. That's a very John Morant yeah. thing for that. Yeah. He had a three the other night. <laughs> I mean, if he, you know, obviously stays healthy, his body. I don't know about his thighs or his uh, everything, or but his body looks really good. <laughs> I mean, Zion's thighs are pretty thick too, Jerry, but thinner than last yeah. year. That <laughs> uh, what about a guy like uh, Anthony Edwards, who, uh, you know, Minnesota's got really sky high expectations this year. You'll have Cat, you'll have Rudy Gobert, but Anthony Edwards could be the best player on that team and, and could, could, could garner some, at least some, some respect towards it. Or, even a uh, former Sacramento King Tyrese Halliburton. I feel like there's a narrative there. They want to push him and it's not in the same way that they push Morant, but he's gotten a lot of national attention and he, uh -huh. he's, he's on national broadcast talking with JJ Redick about stuff. He could be a guy that if he averages, you know, 16 and 10 assists, they go, oh, this is the guy for it this year. Yeah. Hallie would be my pick. Yeah, no, he could be, he certainly uh, could be there. I mean, yeah, there's, that's just, that's probably the toughest one. I think, yeah. you know, because you can just go so many different directions with it. I mean, you can make a you know case for Jordan Poole or yeah. someone like that. You know, I mean, he came out of nowhere last year, although he had a great year. I don't know how much he could improve, uh, but there is that. Okay, sixth man of the year. I don't even know who's starting right now. You got to pick. You got to pick someone a famous bench player right now, I guess. You got Christian Wood, Christian Wood, and Spencer Dinwiddie are both going to be coming off the bench for the Mavericks. Those both guys both have a chance. I don't know how often someone repeats, but Tyler Hero got got his got his bag. Yeah. So I, I don't know that he's going to obviously put up a lot of points at the bench. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I just wonder if they'll keep him off the bench. You know, I noticed in preseason they're they're starting him, uh, so that'll be interesting. Uh, I think a guy that could be. Uh, you know, is Kevin Love. Yeah, that's a great answer, you know, Jerry. Uh, the, the Cavs are going to win. And, and, you know, and the guy can really still play at a high level and is happy to come off the bench, which is a key right there. You know, I mean, he probably should be starting. But so I, I think that's a, a little bit of an interesting one. Uh, you know, might even be, depending on uh, what happens with uh, Brogdon in uh, – in, in Boston, whether, you know, if, if they bring him off the bench, he certainly has to be a strong candidate, I think. I think it's a good one. I don't know that he'll be uh, off the bench all year, but they're starting him off the bench. I think Christian Wood, uh, Dallas's biggest acquisition, could have a, a chance to put up some some really nice numbers off the bench, too. Yeah, and that, that, that interests me, too. Is like, I can't understand why he'd be coming off the bench. Me neither. <laughs> I mean, it's like, what are you, what are you doing here? I mean, he's clearly, uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. What about a uh, uh, coach of the year? Mike Brown. <laughs> he's going to, he's going to have, yeah, he's going to have some buzz around it, Jerry. If the, the, the Kings come into the all-star break and the eight seed they're he's going to have a shot at it for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, generally speaking, uh, 
unless somebody wins 65 games. It, I mean, I certainly Taylor at uh, Memphis, you know, I mean, he's a, a good choice. Always Willie Green, at, I think, at New Orleans yep. certainly would be a very strong candidate, uh, I think, because I think they're going to be good. And then, you know, he didn't – He, I thought he did great last year, but he kind of came out of nowhere. And I, so I, I think – he might, those might be two, two strong candidates. Spolster is always a candidate. Uh, yeah. You know, that, that sort of thing. I mean, there's a lot of good coaches. I, 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 I it almost be easier to pick out who's not going to have any chance at coach of the year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, let's see here. Uh, Greg Popovich, unfortunately, is the most famous example of somebody who might not have yeah. a chance there. Finally. Um, I think, I don't know how the NBA is going to reward this or look at this, but Joe Missoula, who is taking over for Yudoka in Boston, that's going to be a very good team. Are they going to give him more points for the circumstances for him having the job on short notice? I don't know, but uh, the Celtics are going to be good this year and he'll be coaching that team. So I think my two, my two favorites right now are Ty Lue with the Clippers where the Clippers, Ty Lue is a great coach mm-hmm. and he's, he's getting his stars back. And if they're healthy, there, there'll be a chance there with the team that deep of getting up close to the top of the Western conference and uh, Minnesota only because they're kind of the, uh, they're kind of the, the people's hero in terms of they've been bad for so long. And Chris Finch has been there now for a couple of years with Gobert and cat. If, if they, if they win plus 50 games, I feel like he's got a shot at it at least. Yeah. And there's, and there's always the guys that, you know, are really great coaches, outstanding coaches. If they get things break their way health wise and all, you know, the Nick nurse, Nate Nate McMillan, you know, these are guys that obviously if, if they have a good enough talent, they'll win a lot of games. (laughs) Okay. Rookie of the year. Who, who do we have for rookie of the year? Are we homers? I am. (laughs) No, I, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm on the, I'm on the Murray. I'm on board. Murray. uh, The (laughs) The Murray Murray express. Murray (laughs) express. Uh, yeah, I think he's got a, a terrific chance, as good as anybody. If not, you know, two or three guys are probably going to vie for it, and and yeah. m- maybe one that we don't know, or nobody's thinking of right now. But yeah. uh, but you know, just watching, uh, and I have watched the numbers on the guys. What you know, I, that's kind of one of my habits. I still have. I study preseason stats which is pretty sad in my stage in life (laughs) (laughs) but but i do and uh you know keegan keegan's really done better than anybody yeah i think it'll be i think it'll be ben carroll and and keegan going down the stretch for the whoever whoever gets a scoring burst in the last few months of the season will be the one that ends up with the award keegan will have a a pretty nice narrative if the kings are actually pretty decent and that's i think ben carroll will have better numbers raw numbers Probably, possibly, he'll have more opportunity. But if Keegan is a big part of making the Kings relevant again, I think it's the same argument for Mike Brown, really. Like, Mike Brown will get a lot more points if the Kings are actually pretty good. We're same with Keegan. I think if, if the numbers are close and the Kings are actually pretty decent, he might have a shot over Ben Caro. All right, this is another one that a Sacramento King could win. Uh, and our last one that we'll talk about, uh, Executive of the Year. Does Monty McNair have a chance for Executive of the Year if the Kings make the playoffs? Yeah, I think he does. I do. I think that's what it would take. Uh, I was just making sure I had the right name for the Cleveland Cavaliers general manager, Mike Gansey. I thought they had a very good offseason, um, obviously getting Donovan Mitchell. They might have gone from like a 
I don't know, a, a fringe playoff team or a, or a lower seed playoff team to a, to a potential contender in the Eastern Conference. I guess we'll see where it shakes out. But if the Cavs are good, uh, you got to give them credit for taking that swing. Is there any chance for a guy like, uh, I know that there was a lot of drama around it and it probably wasn't done in the most fun way because it dragged out all last year. But does Daryl Morey have a shot if, if the Sixers wind up at the top of the Eastern Conference at the end of the year? Sure, hope not. Uh, <laughs> That's what I was looking for, Jerry. I don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> care if they win 82-0 and 0 and win the World Championship. I wouldn't vote for him. So, so hopefully, uh, hopefully that doesn't I, make me sound like a bitter, cynical old fart, which I am, of course. Uh, no, Jerry, I'll always bait you with him. Okay. I, any, anytime, anytime I throw him out there, just know it's the get a reaction okay. at this point. <laughs> okay. Well, um, we've talked about the preseason. Uh, we've made some predictions, but you know who's already looking like in like they're in midseason form for Sacramento? Our sponsors, Sacramento Electronic Supply. We'll be right back. Sacramento Electric Supply now has stock on fiber and fiber accessories from Tex Logics. From bulk fiber cable to splicing kits to connectors, Sacramento Electronics is now your home for your fiber cabling needs. Stop on by their location directly south of Costco in Rancho Cordova, Monday through Friday, 8.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. Or visit them online 24-7 www.sacelect.com. All right, and we are back. So now we're going to get into uh, our regular segments for the week. Um, obviously, we uh, we are are just steamrolling our way towards the uh, towards the regular season. But uh, before that, we're going to hit the breaks, and we're going to get to talk about anything but the Kings. Uh, our segment where I give Tony and Jerry a chance to talk about anything, any other game, any other team, any other storyline from the sports world they've encountered over the last two weeks. The only rule is they don't get to talk about the Kings. And I'm going to, I'm going to steal the spotlight here first because I know one of you guys is, t- is going to take it and I don't watch other sports. So the first one I'm going to talk about is Victor Wembenyama and Scoot Henderson squaring off in Las <laughs> Vegas and what could only be considered the, the best game of the last five years for Will Griffith. And, and it did not disappoint. Neither of those games disappointed, but specifically that first game where Victor Wembenyama, Victor, Victor Wembenyama hit seven threes, blocked five shots, and absolutely introduced himself on the world stage to random sports fans. Uh, they all know who he is now. He's the presumptive number one pick, and I cannot be happier about it. Guys, did either of you two watch that game? I watched every scintillating minute second of it <laughs> really it was so much better game not just to act the game and everything better than preseason any preseason game of the nba i've seen it was really well done and yeah. uh, some good players and and i will tell you this i mean as you know i'm i'm 78 years old i've seen every uh, just about every of, of the greatest basketball players you know, at 18 years old, 20 years, whatever, you know, whether it's LeBron, Oscar Robertson, Lou Alcindor, Wilton Chamberlain, Larry Bird, Magic at their development stage. And I'm telling you, Wimbanyana is without a doubt uh, got a chance to be right there with the all-time, all-time greats. And there's no doubt that Will Griffith is absolutely right. If you could for sure tank and get number one, it, this would call for that. Of course, we know that you can tank and still not get number one and 100%. not get him. But I think he is a franchise changer. 
and you just hope that he continues to develop and stays healthy because there's no doubt that health is probably the only thing that can keep him from being a true all-time great in my mind. And certainly Scoot Henderson, uh, I know a lot of people are saying, well, he, he might even be better. It's like, well, are you drunk or what, what are you doing? No, <laughs> no, he, he's got a chance to be awfully good, I think, but, uh, but I, I think, uh, you know, he, he might be the Carmelo to LeBron when my John is LeBron, you know, there, there's a gap. There is a gap. Yes. Tony, I'm a pig in mud. Keep going. Keep, keep, keep lavishing this in. I'm, I'm enjoying this moment right here. Someone tweeted this. I wish I could remember who it was to credit them, but I'll just steal it and say, uh, uh, someone said that Victor Wembanyama has never taken a contested shot, and that's what it feels like. Like he is so humongous and long that you can't, you can't, you can barely contest his shots. The the three pointer that he shot, like going full speed into the corner, fading away from three, was like I I saw that I like dropped my phone. I was like, what? I don't even know. I can't even process what I saw him do at that size on the court. It was ridiculous. So. If that's going to be who he is, like, I don't know. That, good luck competing with that, everyone else in the NBA, because that's that's a tough one. It really is. I mean, you know, a lot of people are excited about Chet Holmgren, and deservedly so, but there's just no – it's not the same game. It's just not the same game. All right. Thank you, guys. I appreciate that. Now I'll let you guys talk about whatever sports you want to talk about. If you have another event, I had to steal <laughs> that one. Go ahead, either of you. Well, I mean, I mean, you know, you know, obviously the NFL is uh, in full swing and we're, you know, basically parody is I think we're someday we're going to used to be. I'd always say when they played 16, we'd have everybody either nine and seven or seven and nine. And I think it's, you know, there'll be there'll be a couple of teams that probably end up, you know, 13 and four and a couple four and 13 and the rest will be uh the revert, you know, just right there altogether. But uh, but it makes for a great uh, great league, and and I think, and then also the Major League Baseball playoffs, you know, going to a best of three as opposed to the one game was a great move, and really created a lot of excitement and for a sport that needs some excitement created. And so I think that's a great step in the right direction. And if Adam Silver is listening, Adam, uh, really. The first round of the playoffs, top eight, whoever it is, should be playing best of three themselves. And I'm telling you, the TV ratings would would uh, make up for whatever games aren't played. I really believe that. Uh, create some excitement, a chance for upsets. Upsets are what fans really want to see. Uh, the NCAA every year proves that. Uh, the only clip I watch more than the Victor Wambanyana three this week was Draymond Green throwing a haymaker at Jordan Poole. And I only bring that up because I'm dying to hear what Jerry's take is on this. You've seen more practice stuff. You've seen, uh, you know, more practice things is, was this as crazy as it looked on camera or is this more common on NBA teams than maybe we think? Cause the, the video came yeah. out and it looked crazy. Yeah, you know, to be honest, I, I've never seen anything quite like that. Uh, I've seen fights, but basically yeah. in fights, both guys knew they were fighting. <laughs> right. You yeah. know, this was almost an assault. You know, yeah. people say, well, you know, he, you know, uh, Poole shoved him. Well, he shoved him after he got right up into his face. Uh, I think that's, a, that's what anybody would do. Uh, 
He certainly, I mean, I don't think Jordan Poole had any idea that he was going to be involved in a fight. He was, he was not trying, he was not trying to fight. And so to me, I I, honestly, I think there's an awful lot of uh, people, you know, making excuses for it where they're, I mean, that, that could, I mean, really, uh, Poole could have been badly injured, you know, almost, uh, it'd be almost like the Rudy Tomjanovich thing of years ago where his career was ended. Uh, you know, he wasn't expecting to be hit, but he, and he ran into it, which made it a lot worse. Far, yeah. fortunately for Poole, I mean, that kind of punch he took, he was kind of moving, at least able to kind of move back and he was stationary, but very dangerous. I, I, I don't, uh, I, I just don't know why anybody would excuse, try to excuse this in any way. And, uh, I, you know, I, I think Draymond, uh, I, I don't, I, you know, I, I heard his apology and I'm kind of still waiting for an actual apology. Jerry, yeah. what, what would you expect to be uh, the, uh, like the decision handed down by the Warriors for, for a punishment? Do you think it's, they're going to suspend him 10 games? You expect him to adjust a fine and no, no, no suspension. How, how do you think that's going to go? Well, it's uh, sadly, it sounds like nothing. Uh, you know, he's basically taking time off on his own, which is a good move on his part. Uh, so, I, but, but I mean, obviously, if the Warriors were going to do something, I would have thought that would have been happened the very day. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, so I think when when Latrell Sprewell uh, choked uh, his coach, uh, you know, that was. <laughs> pretty serious stuff and uh and a suspension and all that so yeah i don't know i'm very just dis- i mean honestly is i'd have to say i'm disappointed with how the warriors have handled it that's for sure and you know seem like so much has been said about the leaked video and i agree uh you you would like to uh you know what's in-house stays in-house to a degree but but the fact that the warriors people were there they didn't have to see the video they saw it yeah yeah <laughs> and they should have dealt with it, in my opinion. Yeah. All right. We're going over to Tony for the uh, Patreon question of the day. Tony, go ahead. All right. On every episode of this podcast, we ask at least one question from our King's Herald patrons uh, at patreon.com slash King's Herald. You submit questions to Jerry and Will and I, and we ask one on the show. And every question that we don't ask on the show that you submit gets asked once a month in our Patreon exclusive Q&A. This week's question comes from Kevin. And Kevin asks, over the last two games, we've seen the Kings show a new commitment to moving the ball, defense, and rebounding, and everyone appears to have bought in. Do we attribute this to coaching? And why has no one else been able to accomplish this? It can't really be as simple as culture. Well, I mean, it's a great question. Uh, From what we've seen so far, and we just have very little to base it on, but I agree with everything you said. Uh, Yeah, you have to give Mike Brown a lot of credit here. It's deserved. I mean, uh, I think the the only thing I'd say to this point is that it seems like certainly the Kings have added players uh, in the off season that fit this mode. I mean, you know, you knew going in pretty much what Monk and Herder and uh, Keegan are likely to, how they were likely to play. But, but I, I think with uh, coach Brown, he has came in and, and tried to, not only implement a system, but demand that demand a system. We've seen uh, basically get on guys a little bit for defense and taking guys out for defense or, or coaching guys up for defense lack or lack of. And so I, I think early on, 
It's very, very early. It is preseason. It is preseason. And yes, it is preseason. But uh, uh, it, it all looks pretty, pretty good. And, and I think you, at this stage, you got to give the coach most of the credit. And uh, certainly the players have bought in to their credit, but they wouldn't necessarily buy in if the coach wasn't, you know, pushing it. Will, where do you stand on uh, who, who deserves the credit for this so far? Yeah, I certainly, I certainly would, would give most of the credit to the coaching staff. Obviously, I give a thumbs up to Monty McNair for picking the right guy, even though there were other candidates that some of us might have wanted. I think getting the right players in the offseason, too. You know, somebody like uh, DiVincenzo, who would have been nice to have, but whose agent was publicly pissed off that the Kings weren't playing him as a starter and, and were bringing him off the bench, just cutting ties with him. Nope, sorry, bye. You know, getting rid of uh, guys like Buddy and Bagley at the deadline, bringing in guys like Herter who – the, the, he doesn't have that stink on him or he doesn't have that that king's kind of i don't know uh, for a while there when when you're on the kings for more than a couple seasons you start to have that stink start to have that that drag down even harrison barnes last year started to drag a little bit near the end of the season and i thought maybe he was a little bit more distant or he would be a little bit more distant coming into this season coaching staff has them all playing well has them all working together i don't see any issues you know uh, on the court in terms of the way they're playing i i i I think you can attribute it to like the, the, the culture, but that culture is very specifically bringing in the right people in the right spots to help set that. And, you know, I, I give, I give credit to the, the general management and the coaching staff, but yeah, no, I think I agree hundred percent with Jerry. Yeah. You know, and I, I agree with you on that too. Well, I, I mean, certainly I thought Monte uh, has done an outstanding job. I, I think, you know, with some of the guys that the Kings had, if Marvin was here and Buddy was still here, uh, 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 Dante would it have went the same way? And so, to the to the question, I think it'd been harder to do. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not saying it couldn't be done, and don't want to detract from the coach. But uh, you know, you need players who want to fit in, and I think that's what they've got. And you know, as kid like a kid, young kid like Herder, who was very good in Atlanta. But he fit in there, you know, as a winning team. He was a very much a fit-in player. Obviously, if you're yeah. playing with Trey Young, you're going to fit in. Uh, you know, it's like playing with Doncic. Uh, you know, you're not going to be the guy. So, yeah. and so I, I think that's a real, you know, like I say, credit to both. And I, definitely, I think that probably, you know, the kind of guys I think they've got, they think they've got a lot of uh, – a lot of guys who want to be part of a team and, uh, you know, coach and general manager that are on the same page. So you got that. And I think your main player is a totally unselfish player, you know, yeah. a totally unselfish uh, uh, player in the middle there. And I think that makes a lot of difference. Yeah. I would give co the coaching staff, obviously a, a ton of credit and just for a, for a little bit of credit on the players side too. I think you have a lot of guys who are 24, 25, 26 that are kind of at that career crossroads age where you kind of decide what kind of player you're going to be. And I say decide like you can just choose, but it, you know, obviously work goes into it and development, but Fox, Sabonis, Herder, those are guys who are at the stage of their career where, you're kind of starting to figure out what level of player they're going to be. And, and just maybe all of those guys are going to be uh, the best version of themselves. And this would be the year that we find out if that's possible, specifically for someone like Fox, who is really kind of at the end of his road here. 
in Sacramento, at least where uh, it's kind of this season is on him to decide what kind of player he's going to be for this team. Is he going to be the guy that brings the Kings into the playoffs? And if he is, that's part of, of what's happening right now with them playing so well is these, these guys at career crossroads kind of making the right turn. And I think the coaching staff is kind of here to help them put themselves in the best position to succeed. All right. Well, we're going to roll on over now to Jerry, Jerry for the Reynolds wrap up. What do you got for us this week, Jerry? Well, I think it's a, an absolute glorious time of the year to be a sports fan. You got the NFL, you got NBA preseason, major league baseball playoffs. The national hockey league is starting their regular season for God's <laughs> sakes. I mean, and college football is starting to really take shape. I mean, how good is that? I mean, I know Mrs. Reynolds would not agree with my glorious assessment of this, but then she's adjusted over the years as well. But uh, I mean, I think for someone who, who just wants to, you know, get lost in wonderful sports competition. I mean, this, this, it can't get any better than this. Amen. Well, I, I, I agree with you, Jerry. Amen to that. So for everyone here at, at the Kings Herald, I want to uh, thank you guys for listening to another episode. We got the uh, we got the regular season coming up. Next time we talk, we'll have seen three games out of the regular season for games that legitimately count towards the Kings' record and towards their inevitable run with destiny, whether that's off a cliff or two of the playoffs. We don't know quite yet, but we will in two weeks, obviously. We will, and we're hopefully still sky-high optimistic. How about <laughs> Let's that? Try it. That's, that's the hopes, Jerry. <laughs> this is from a 78-year-old cynic. I'm hoping to be st- still optimistic. <laughs> And for whoever sent Jerry that that uh, those that box of weed gummies, we really appreciate it. He's really been enjoying them. <laughs> oh, I, I would. <laughs> uh, so for everybody here at the Kings Herald, I want to thank you guys again for another episode, uh, and uh, we'll see you in two weeks. Thanks so much.